Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome on into the free kick on this Saturday morning. I'm Martino Puccio. Joined alongside me is Davis Maddock. Davis, how are you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing great, Martino. It's. Uh, I mean, it's great. We have everything. Sports are. I mean, not sports, but but football. Football is back, right? We got we got the EPL. We got to see David Luiz make uh, you know a, a horrendous mistake that really you know made me feel like the world was uh, was returning to normal. Yeah, I know. And that was something that we talked about uh, last show on how how he terrifies me at the back. And then sure enough, he didn't even start the game. He comes on, (laughs) makes that error that led to the Sterling goal and then gets a red card. And basically Arsenal had no chance whatsoever. That game really could have gotten a lot more out of hand than I thought. 3-0 was kind of generous for the way that Arsenal played. It could have easily been 5-6-0. City, unfortunately, didn't get to finish off some of the chances that they had. You could see some of the rust, actually, in the first half for sure. Um, but the chances were there, so that's good. If they if they just figure out, you know, like another pass or two, it's really not about the finishing. A lot of people usually believe that it has to do with the finishing on the shots. It's really just kind of those last few touches and, and passes um, in the final third that kind of lead to those goals. It's not so much the shooting. Um, so what did you think? I mean, nothing really surprised us there. We know the line was kind of right around the total for three and a half. They, it hit under there, but I mean... It's not the worst speed in the world, considering that you could expect some chances to be missed in the first game back. Yeah, so the line, uh, you know, the approach that I took to that game is I just bet. I bet City on the spread, uh, so they were uh, goal-and-a-half favorites. And I actually, you know, I really like to try and bet games early to get good numbers, but... Um, that Arsenal lineup, man, it, it, it was like it was like they thought it was a Europa League game or something. So, you know, the, the lineup that Arsenal runs out, they move uh, Bakary Saka up to left wing as opposed to left back where he'd been, you know, kind of more comfortable. And actually, I thought he'd played tremendous there. I thought this was something good that Arsenal was doing, you know, moving moving Saka, who is a a more creative player and having him play defensive and that, you know, that kind of gives them more options going forward. So I think maybe the thought there was, okay, if we play him up a little bit more forward, it'll be a little bit easier for us to stop the counterattacks for Manchester City. So I didn't think that was great to begin with. They play in the midfield, they play Joe Willock, who is 20. They play Matteo Guendouzi, who is 22. And they play... Eddie Nketia instead of Alexander Lacazette. Nketia is 19. I mean, this this lineup, it was, <laughs> I just, there was no way they could have thought they would have won the game. It's, exactly. But the funny thing is that they actually do have a chance. Like, you have to give yourself a chance when you're coming back from a break like this, right? Like, we've seen all bets are off in, in most instances that teams could really compete or even get a point out of, out of this situation. And it kind of just... It, it blows my mind on what Arsenal is doing here. Maybe they're experimenting these last few games to see who they really want to keep in terms of youngsters if they want to loan some of them out. But they have a chance at a Europa League spot. Like, they should still be gunning for that. I, I don't know why, uh, but no pun intended there. Uh, they should still be going for that. I, I don't understand where they were coming from with this approach here. And for City, I mean, look, this is it's huge when a team like that just lies down because the closer they get to finishing in second is better for them if they potentially win an appeal for the Champions League to get to play in it next year because that affects the pot that they're in. And, and that's always something important because for, for the average American over here that doesn't watch that often, they it's good to know that there's a lot more to play for than just a title. And that's kind of what happened. And a team that is playing for another Europa League spot is Sheffield United, and they got robbed. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. I don't think I've seen any. That's probably one of the most egregious calls I've seen in a while. Maybe... When the Saints got screwed in the NFC Championship game. Something I could recall off the top of my head as of recent. Um, yeah, Aston Villa's goalkeeper was literally in the net. Falling down in the net with the ball. You could clearly see it over the line. 
This wasn't a VAR issue. This was a goal line technology issue. Goal line technology usually sends it straight to the ref, um, to his watch that he has uh, when they're playing the game. Apparently, they said it wasn't working, and then they couldn't get anything with VAR to help them out there, and the yeah, game ends zero so- zero. So that was interesting is I guess that in the event that the goal line technology doesn't work, there's not um, a step. There's like there's not a way to intervene inside the rules with VAR, which is, um, you know, I mean, I guess I guess it it, uh, it just really sucks for us. It really sucks for them to, to be in that situation, especially for a team who doesn't score a lot. And Villa is a very poor side. So the fact that you only get one point out of that game, I mean, it's so disappointing. And it's really funny how it just took like what the first half of the first game back for something so bad to happen um i mean it didn't really affect a lot of people who had the under because the under was like everyone was hammering like two and a half in this because no one really expected anything crazy to go with that so at least people still won in that regard but if you did have sheffield in a money line parlay um unfortunately that didn't go well for you there but uh man look it's 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 really fascinating to see how all this is going down um so Coppa Italia, I want to talk about, right? So we talked about it last week, and we, we didn't really get to uh, watch and, and cap uh, the Juve-Milan game that happened before then. Juventus looked terrible in that matchup. I think they got outplayed, especially when they were facing a man down. There was really no excuses there. They advanced on the away goals because they tied 1-1 in the first leg. So they were fortunate enough there because otherwise it would have gone straight to penalties, and who knows what happens. Look, Ronaldo looked terrible. Um, a bunch of their players in their midfield looked poor um their defense was solid obviously um that that kind of was the main theme for the, uh, these couple games for Coppa Italia same thing with like Inter and Napoli too it was just a 1-1 game then the final comes along 0-0 draw goes to penalties Napoli win Buffon made some crazy saves right in the 90th 91st minute um to just basically further cement why he's the greatest of all time there um and then they lose. And it's just, you know, it's it's funny because of the whole themes in it. Sarri faces Napoli, his former team that he left for Juventus. We know how how angry all the fans get in terms of that and how he left there. He never won a trophy at Napoli, and he ends up losing to them. And he still doesn't have a trophy in Italy, by the way, which is, like, bizarre. His first yeah. one was the Europa League with Chelsea. And he's, like, 60-something years old. It's a crazy story on how he used to be an investment banker, and then he left to go coach a third-division team in Italy. Juve did not look good at all. I think they, by far, out of all the four teams that played, they looked the worst. And you have to maybe give them the benefit of the doubt, like we say, because they win the league all the time. But, man, only a one-point lead, and they're playing like this? I'm not sure it's as safe as they think it is with 12 games left. Well, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, Juve, you can you can look at some of their players and you can be like, well, you know, Ron getting a little older probably is weird for, you know, it, it's weird for a guy, what, Ron is 34 years old? 35, and, and 35. he's playing up top too. You're used to him being out wide, and they're still not completely used to this system. Yeah, so I think you can look at him and be like, he probably has such a meticulous fitness routine and such a meticulous routine of you know keeping his body in top shape that you know taking those three months off was probably really hard for him both in terms of staying motivated and keeping his body where he wants it to be at so you know not surprising for him to have you know that uh, that difficult of a game you know in that in this um in this Coppa Italia final they played Danilo up top basically you know kind of having him play next to Dybala and Ronaldo which is you know they they do that so that Insignia doesn't have as much room to move and they can basically have two guys dedicated to keeping Insigne from cutting inside onto his, uh, you know, onto his right foot. But I mean, just, you know, if I'm, if I'm thinking about tactical decisions, I would so much rather play Bernadeschi out there as opposed to shunting him back in the midfield, because you need, you need to be able to cross the ball in Iran. You don't, you don't want, um, you don't want him always with the ball at his feet. So I, I, I thought that was a pretty, a pretty bad decision. Yeah, and it really didn't make a lot of sense. Even the substitutes that Saudi was making, it was just weird. He was bringing Kadir on, Bernadeschi, and I think Ramsey at one point too. It was just, it doesn't seem like everyone understands where they're supposed to be playing. There's no continuity there. And the creativity aspect, like they weren't getting good looks. There was a couple chances 
within the second half that they had some decent looks to get something off. But at the end of the day, I look, it's just when you don't score any goals over 180 minutes, um, and then even the penalties were a disaster too. They only scored one or two of them. Danilo skied it way over the, the net. Dybala got his saved. Um, it was really just uh, demoralizing for them. So, I mean, because they're, they're already down one nothing to Lyon in the Champions League. There's a lot of added pressure to them because they know this whole Cristiano Ronaldo signing is all about the Champions League and winning lots of trophies. And it kind of just feels like they're wasting him at this point. Almost similar to what LeBron was like for the Lakers in their first year. Well, and they, I mean, you know, there is real pressure from like a financial perspective to because they owe Ron so much money. They they owe him a lot of money for a long time. And unless they, you know, convince him to go to the MLS or to PSG or something, like they need that Champions League money or that contract is like a disaster for Juve as an organization. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right because at the end of the day, you're kind of looking down um, the, the end of the line and you're kind of like, okay, are we going to have to make a decision where we're going to have to fire our coach immediately and have a third one in three years? Or we have to somewhat get rid of Cristiano Ronaldo and just hit reset on this whole thing? Because as of right now, like if they're not winning the Champions League, they somehow lose this title race, they go trophy list. That's very embarrassing for them. Um, and, and even if I understand they've been winning for so many years now, at the end of the day, you cannot waste one of the greatest players of all time, especially in a, in a league that still isn't up to the standards that it used to be. And the fact that they continue to struggle here and it didn't look like it did any good for them to, you know, kind of get that chemistry back up. Because we know how rough Napoli's season has been. They they righted the ship and they ended up winning the trophy. As for Juve now, they, there's so much pressure there. And it's kind of like, where did they focus their attention on? Because they still have a few weeks to before the championship. I mean, they, they could out. lose the league. They they could, at this point, they could lose the league to Lazio pretty easily if they keep playing like this. Yeah, and, and the thing is with Lazio, too, they really don't have to worry about that much. I mean, it's they got eliminated from the cup. They just have these 12 matches to play out. Everybody, for the most part, is healthy. They've had really good chemistry. They've been playing together for years now. And it's, and it's just one of those things that, like, hey, I think this might be a realistic thing to talk about, but who knows, maybe this this weekend, once we start talking again next show, Juve end up winning, like, 3 to nothing, and Lazio slip up and, and drop uh, all three points, and then Juve has a four-point lead, and then it's kind of like, okay, do we see Juve really blowing a four-point lead over this stretch? But honestly, I think it might potentially be a conversation worth having, so in saying that, are you now changing your mind and potentially just jumping on Lazio at this point and, and getting this bet in now? Because if Juve do lose this weekend and Lazio win, Lazio goes in first, and then those odds change, not drastically, but a healthy amount. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like the idea of taking Lazio at plus 250 right now and just, you know, seeing seeing what we have, you know, in terms of, you know, in terms of uh Juve just not being able to play that well I I really like it yeah I and it's definitely worth the value at that point and then even sticking with Juve too right I mean minus 240 there's not much value in that whatsoever so I it's something to stay back on and then even if you do like them after they lose and the odds change just take them then if it's minus 170 or something like that but when we come back we're going to be talking about some of the other Champions League topics sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com all right everybody welcome back into the free kick la liga kicked off again last week there's going to be a ton more fixtures to get into later in the show. But first, Davis, we just want to talk about some of the matchups that took place over the weekend. Real Madrid looked amazing. Barcelona and Messi, I mean, well, Messi for the most part didn't look like he uh, he missed a step whatsoever, um, scoring a couple of times. He also got football tackled, by the way. I don't know if you saw that <laughs> by Leganis' captain um, in the midweek fixture. No red card. Uh, they just gave him a yellow. What's your opinion on that, by the way? Because for me, like, if you're making an actual like NFL tackle in a soccer game, it should be a red card. 
Uh, I mean, you know, I'm kind of, <clears throat> I grew up, I grew up watching, uh, American sports, watching tackle football, everything. So I, you know, I don't, I don't mind, uh, I don't mind if every once in a while we get, we get uh, a little bit of rough out there and, and we only throw, we only throw yellow cards. I kind of think, I kind of think it adds a little bit of something to the game, but obviously, you know, especially when it's messy, got, got to protect messy, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. The whole league, even, even, um, La, La Liga's, uh, president, which would like, it's the equivalent of the, uh, commissioner of the, of the league was saying today on how uh how Messi's better because he didn't leave to go to Juventus like Cristiano did so he threw some shade out in there so you know the sentiments that go towards Messi in that league uh, for sure and he's one goal shy I believe of his 700th career goal which is just absolutely insane I mean just factoring in all the assists that he has piled up as well I mean the records just keep coming for him He's such a joy to watch, and and one of the guys that um, is probably one of the best teenagers they've had since Messi is Ansu Fati. I mean, that finish that he had in that game um, midweek was just fantastic, and uh, did you have him in a DFS lineup? Because I know he was somebody you were kind of looking forward to with this restart going on. Yeah, Fati for sure. I have a, I have a criticism to, to lever, though, on Barcelona, which is Antoine Griezmann is useless for them i mean it's like it's like he doesn't know he doesn't know and and actually by the way the same thing was true with philippe coutinho and i don't know whose fault it is my guess is it's probably the organization's fault yeah yeah i don't i don't think it's the fault of the player but when you play with a guy as great as Messi, i think and you were the man before like you were the best player on you were you were um the the best player on your team before i think it's very hard to know okay when should i be aggressive when should i be shooting when should i be distributing should my teammates be trying to get me the ball in the midfield you know should i be trying to get them the ball and um and and maybe you could say it's a, a language barrier right, type thing you know there's a lot of different reasons for it but griezmann on barcelona is no like i i literally think they could go get andres iniesta right now they could get they could get him back from qatar and i think that he would do the exact same job that griezmann is doing see this is what i was saying months ago on this show to uh chelsea kabarkas who is who is the other host for this and um she does a lot of la liga stuff and works with the league and everything so she said i was being too harsh i'm just saying look if you're at his age and his prime getting paid that money with that transfer fee coming over from Atletico and winning almost every single big prize possible, even with France, he plays with a lot of great players there too. It's not like he hasn't played with a loaded roster before. Like he's he is actually useless. That's not even that's not even an exaggeration. And he's not also the first one. You mentioned Coutinho too, and think about Dembele as well. They spent over. 300 almost 400 million euros on three guys and you could argue all of them are flops they're all terrible and they've wasted all this money they have financial fair play issues too Messi's not getting any younger and you're just sitting there to yourself saying how much longer can they ride the coattail of this because as of right now they're basically becoming the Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron James that it's just strictly LeBron and he's making everybody a lot better there might be some talent around but they don't play as well together as a team as you would have liked them to have to Look, uh, they're still ahead. They're still in first. Real Madrid has to play their midweek game as well. I don't know. I think the future outlook is not great for them because we don't know what's happening with Suarez. Their signings, like Frankie de Jong isn't, hasn't even gone back and, and played as well as they would have liked to. They're just frustrating. And I don't root for them. I don't like them on, on particularly a high level. It's just it's just frustrating to see a talented player like that wasted when he could clearly be the best player in the world on any given day still. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Um, and it's, and it, it's just always frustrating because of the way that these Spanish organizations are run is there are different people with different motivations all making decisions you know the managers are going to have different desires than the technical director and the people voting for club president and technical director have their own ideas and then obviously Messi has his own ideas of you know who he wants to play with who he wants to manage and you know I'm sure I'm sure he wanted to play with Antoine Griezmann but you know didn't really think of like oh yeah I want to play with other talented players but are me and Griezmann really that good of a fit and the answer is no because they really are very similar 
style players to, you know, theoretically, they both kind of play that center forward position that that false nine where you bring other players into the attack as opposed to, you know, just being a, a pure lethal finisher like Suarez is a great partner for Messi. And if Griezmann was as good as Neymar he would be a better partner but Neymar was so so good and I I actually think maybe what made Neymar so good was that he did not care what Messi thought he didn't care what the fans thought he was like I want to score goals I want to cross the ball like I want to go do all this I want to go be the man and maybe Griezmann wants to be the man maybe Griezmann should want to be the man a little bit more yeah I think so there was always that kind of thought on him where he was a little bit like James Harden one of the best players in the world really stepped up week in week out really got his team deep and competing for potentially a title and he just you know they lost those couple of finals against Real Madrid they lost the Euro 2016 final against Portugal when they should have won that match when Ronaldo left um, with the injury they end up winning the World Cup, so that stigma got removed a little bit. But then he makes this move over to Barcelona. I mean, it's re- it's like really bad. And it's not really talked about enough because of the amount of money that they spend. And even then, they're still looking to get Lautaro Martinez over from Inter and not trying to figure out their other holes and issues that they have. Because their defense isn't that great. I, I think they can improve on their fullback situations. It, it's like Rakitic and Vidal are just racking up these high-wage bills, and they're not using them as often as they should. They don't know who to put on the left side. And, and you're right. It's just, at at this point, the best compliment for Messi is Suarez, and Suarez is maybe gone soon. And also, Messi hasn't extended that contract beyond this season, the next season. So it's technically still up. It's going to be difficult to see him leave there, but... I mean, at a certain point that you would think if things are going so well over there that he would have resigned by now. Right, yeah. And I mean, he does like to, I mean, he should obviously want to keep that leverage over uh, Barcelona. You know, he doesn't, he shouldn't want to give them too much before they are willing to to give him more. Right, yeah. And and so he, and, and that's, you know, it's important to keep that. But also, I mean, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be kind of fun to see Messi, you know, play for Chelsea or United or... Or, or maybe even, you know, uh, PSG would give him anything. Qatar, they would give him anything. The MLS would, uh, you know, they just whatever he wanted, it they would, would give Messi billions to play for them. It would, it would, it would honestly be. I would love to see it just to see what happened. You know, kind of like a free agent thing. Like Ronaldo still had to get transferred over from Real Madrid. You know, that that was a negotiation with the club. It wasn't just Cristiano has his pickings of where he wants to go. Well, technically, he still does. Because, you know, like, it didn't matter if, you know, United offered $200 million. If Cristiano doesn't want to go there, he doesn't want to go there. That's kind of part of, It's not like a trade in, in our professional sports just for people who don't really know how the transfer system works. It, it has to be an agreement between... It's like a no-trade clause for every player, for the most part. But some players have more leverage than the others. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I think the coolest place would maybe be at City, reuni- reunited with Pep. That'd be fun because there was a lot of people that are always like, he can't score and do what he did in the Premier League anywhere else. Not like he absolutely has scored like a ton of goals against all those top Premier League teams in the Champions League, right? Where he basically single-handedly had had it in the bag against Liverpool, but his, none of his teammates could have helped him out last year. So, I mean, that, that'll that be fascinating to see as well. Um, so, Real Madrid looked really good with Hazard over the weekend um he looks finally healthy right and that's something that really matters right that's one of the 10 best players in the world that didn't really do much or play a lot kind of like Griezmann um with, with his output and performance but if Real Madrid have this version of Hazard I think they're almost a lock to win this league especially like the, the opportunity that Barca have like they could def- easily drop points here like it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility yeah, no, I I um I 100% agree with that. I I I when we did our show last week and we were talking about the restart, I said, you know, I just I think that this was a better time off for Real Madrid. I think that I think that they were going to be able to do more with the time off and they had the unknown of Eden Hazard and even Rodrigo and Vinicius Jr. like those guys, 
you know, we, we think about those young guys, like they had time to practice. They had time to think about their skill sets. Like every day, Rodrigo and Vinicius Jr. get like 0.03% better because they're, they're so young. They're, these guys are, are teenagers and they have more time to refine their skill sets and get more experience and training. So I, I, yeah, I do think Madrid does end up winning, um, La Liga. Yeah. And, and it's just crazy because again, you're right. I, I totally agree with how, how much they get better in, in that time span, because when you play a lot, you get kind of get thrown into the deep end, thrown to the wolves and and it kind of can be a lot at once, but you're still playing. You get a nice like break kind of, kind of like when tennis players, sometimes they're having a rough day, but they get bailed out because of a rain out. They restart, you know, take it like go to bed, wake up. It's a new day. Things are completely different. You have a different mentality than you did 24 hours ago. Like think about how much more different their mentality is three months later like like they consumed every thought every play that they had like they could watch replays of what they were doing wrong what they were doing correct training at home honing their skills i mean there's just so many benefits to them and especially with that young squad and it's funny too because you don't see that happen with barca maybe on sufati is the only one that we've seen so far but i mean I mean, they're really scary because it's not about Real Madrid this year. I think it could be a changing of the guard for a few years now with La Liga, let alone everything else. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm I'm totally with you, and I just think uh, it's gonna be it's just gonna be it's gonna be really awesome to watch it all play out, and maybe maybe this um this competition gr- drives Griezmann to be the best version of himself, which would be you know good for good for all of us because he is an awesome player to watch when he's on on top form. Silver lining could be that his price drops on uh, DFS and then you could just keep plugging him in and then hopefully he gives you the return that you've been hoping for so many weeks that you wasted on him. Um, some some other smaller news in La Liga before we head to break here. Cavani heading to Atletico Madrid most likely. He won't be renewing with PSG. PSG getting rid of a few players. Thiago Silva is another one. Cavani, a good fit. How, how long do you think that would really last? I think it's a great fit for them um, if he agrees. Yeah, good fit because uh, Jao Felix, uh, more of a creative player, less of a finisher. So I, yeah, I like that quite a bit. Yeah, and he scored a great goal as well. It's good to see him healthy and progressing as well. He's such a talented player. But when we come back, we're going to be talking about the decisions that UEFA made in terms of the Champions League, and we'll look at some future odds. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is SportsGrid. Hello, everybody. Welcome back into the free kick here. Martino Puccio and Davis Maddock breaking down some of the top leagues and tournaments. Davis, we're going to get into the biggest tournament of them all. The Champions League officially announced back. Eight teams will be heading to Lisbon once the round of 16 wraps up. Quarterfinals, semifinals, and the final all going to be there. Quarterfinals and semis are going to be single game elimination. No two legs to worry about. No dreaded away goals that I hate so much that you have to factor in when you're placing your bets. Davis, are you a fan of this? This was probably one of the more logistical ways that UEFA could have gone given the circumstances in this. Uh, I'm really excited for one game elimination. Uh, I love this. Yeah, I think I think simple, single elimination is cool. I think it appeals more to the American audience, and the American audience is who they're wanting to capture right now, right? Like we, like for sure, this is a huge chance for the Champions League, for La Liga, for the German League. Like this is this is a time where people are wanting sport to engage with. They're wanting something to watch on TV, and anything that makes it more friendly, you know, like because. I'm sure you've had this conversation plenty of times, Martino, where, you know, you sit down with your American buddy who likes basketball and football and and you try and explain to them like, okay, so the Champions League is um, it's the four best teams from these leagues, but then the three best teams from these leagues and the one best team from the Finnish league. And and like in everything, like every every step less where you don't have to explain it is good. Right. Like every like every fewer step you take is um is is what you want. 
Yeah, and they made strides to that when they finally expanded for extra spots in the bigger leagues because they realized getting in teams, you know, kind of like, not to pick on them, but Slavia Prague being in the Champions you don't you want less of those guys. It just Even if Inter Milan, for example, like, you know, finishing fourth because it used to be like a third place for Italy used to go to the playoff round and, then, and they would have to play in. But fourth gets in now. Like, it's better to have the bigger name teams in there because that also means more players are likely to go to teams like that. Like, Lukaku wasn't going to be going to Inter Milan like five years ago, right? Now that that's another team that is uh, has the potential to grab big, bigger players, it's kind of like the recruiting trail in college football or college basketball. Not everyone's strictly going to Kentucky, Duke, and, and UNC. They're spreading it out a little bit more. Like, you'll see UCLA kind of returning, yeah, get some other top recruits. It's like the equivalent of that. So I think it's great to see. And also, the single-game elimination, and you're talking about the U.S. crowd, Something that the U.S. crowd loves so much is the World Cup. What does the World Cup have? Single-game elimination after uh, the group stage. So that plays a part into that. I think it's a pretty good experiment, too, because who knows? Like, if it's super successful, maybe they get rid of it. Maybe they switch to, say, you know, semifinals is one game and the final is one game where they just have two legs will be around a 16 and the quarterfinals. Maybe something like that that they change up. Um, but, I mean, I, I, it's, really, it's really fun to see. And one of the things that... So, so half the games were finished in the round of 16, right? The matchups that finished. We saw Atletico knock off Liverpool. So that, and, and then Bayern seemingly going to take down Chelsea because they won 3-0 at Stamford Bridge. But there's the, about the return leg. And some home teams are not going to have the advantage that they would have hoped to have before COVID hit. And one of those would be Juventus in this, right? They lost to Lyon in France 1-0. So everybody after that was like, okay, that's not a great result. They didn't get any away goals, but they're going back home, and we know how good they are there. Now they don't really have that advantage. Are you under the thought process and ideology that they should get rid of away goals for the rest of these games simply because the other team doesn't get the quote-unquote advantage that the other team had before the, the crisis hit? Um, yeah, I think I, it, it doesn't make much sense to keep it, right? Like, I, you just you just got to get rid of it entirely and just play the rest of it as single elimination. But that, that would be that would be my opinion. Yeah, I would be very, like, Leon keeps getting screwed. <laughs> I feel so bad. The French League ended. They don't get to go to the Champions League. And now they have to deal with the potential of Noah Wagles. Like, what if they did just, all they have to do is score one against Juve at, at, in Torino. And then all of a sudden they get that away goal when Juve didn't get one. You're looking what is basically 2 nothing is really like 3 nothing in reality. So, I mean, look, it hurts them, but I think it is definitely fair because we've seen that being the home team really doesn't matter that much, right? We saw it in Bundesliga. There's no advantage that's really played a part in there. We see all the fixtures and odds for these away and home teams for the Premier League this weekend. Not a lot of home teams are favored like you would think. So I, I think it all plays and intertwines like that. So we'll see. As of right now, that is not the case. As of right now, they're going to keep the away goal uh, situation. But let's look at some of the future odds. None of them changed after everything came out. Bayern is still the favorite, P uh, and Man City is still the favorite, and PSG uh, the favorite as well. So City and PSG, two teams that have never won the Champions League. In fact, they've never been to the final either. Um, something that has really been daunting them. Similar to Juventus, how they can't just get over that hump and win that title, and that's something that they covet so badly. Are you okay with City being that heavy of a favorite here when they still didn't officially eliminate Real Madrid, even though they're in a very good position to advance to the next round? And same thing with PSG. I think PSG might benefit the most out of all of these teams because usually they have some sort of injury crisis going on. So what do you think about some of these odds? Um, I enjoy them right i i i uh i love i love to bet on i love to bet on the champions league i the champions league is actually what made me fall in love with uh what made me fall in love with uh the foots the soccer in the first place the team that i like the most though is uh i i actually like psg the most i know the oh they're chokers and they can't get it done and and whatever first of all like i don't i don't um believe that I, I don't believe that about them I don't believe them uh you know I don't believe that about Neymar I don't believe that about uh Di Maria I don't believe that about Mbappe I think they are fantastic and you know if you look at how they 
match up to the rest of the other great teams. You know, you look at how they match up against Man City. Um, I think they can sort of outgun all those teams, right? Like, I think they have more offensive firepower. And I also think that their ability to hold the ball, their ability to stay strong at the back, like, I think it's all just um, a little bit underrated because of some of the failures of the team in the past. And my, uh, my hot take on the situation, though, would be it's actually better for PSG to play with no fans because uh, then they don't have to feel that nervous energy inside the stadium right and that and that's um I, I actually legitimately do believe that 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 is a benefit for uh for the PSG players who have kind of gotten that in their head yeah I, I would agree with that as well and the only thing that kind of scares me away from them is that they're probably yeah they're the only team left besides Lyon that hasn't played a game or they won't be playing any games before that I mean they're gonna have to hope to get in some exhibition matches try and get their match conditioning up as best as possible but the we know Ligue is done. So that, that might be the only thing in there. But again, single elimination now. Anybody can beat anybody in this sport, right? Like we've seen in the Euros, we see Iceland making a deep run. We've seen some some teams having no business beating others. Like Switzerland beat Spain in the 2010 World Cup. Like Spain's, that, that was the greatest stretch of international team play in, in history. Ever. Right? Yeah. Right, yeah. It's, it, it, besides, like, Brazil in the late 70s, uh, early 70s, late 60s. But, like, that's saying something. And in this sport where any, t- like, Leicester City, 5,001 odds, wins a Premier League. Like, there's been tons of examples over the years that this can be done. It can be pulled off. And that was in a 38-game season with Leicester. Right here, all you're asking is for one game for Atalanta, one of the best offensive teams in the world, to win. Plus 2,100, even if you're able to hedge your bet afterwards. I mean, look, if Atalanta get to the semifinal, man, I, I really do think that they have an opportunity to do so. Their defense is, is rocky at times, but there's no denying that they could give any defense in the world a lot of trouble. Yeah, no, I uh, I totally agree with you. And I think that that point that you make more specifically or, or maybe broadly about wagering in general is the less certain the less certain we are and the more random results could get the the, you should be you are more incentivized at that point to take underdogs and to take longer shots as opposed to betting favorites because the markets are going to be setting those prices like they have information that they don't actually have and you know that really that really sets up for profitable betting on you know long shots on big underdogs like that's really the the direction you would want to be heading yeah and i mean i even think byron has the like look i mean it's all value because it's plus money but byron byron plus 260 i mean look they they look unbelievable it's a little bit unfair and different to compare the other teams because they're not further along into this you know revamp season as others are um leipzig right plus 1200 timo werner isn't going to be playing for them He's going to Chelsea. The second these couple games wrap up, he gets Leipzig back into the Champions League, which they're holding to hold on to that spot for. We're going to be talking about that next uh, against Dortmund. Are you a fan of him kind of quote-unquote quitting on Leipzig right now and just leaving to go play for Chelsea and, and get things ready for the next Premier League season? Or do you think it's fair? Like, he finished out the season in the Bundesliga, help him get into the Champions League with his performances. Uh, what's your opinion on it? Just, just curious. So... As it pertains to Leipzig in particular, couldn't care less because this is a team. <laughs> this is a team that um, you know it's it's a corporation team. It is it, they they only really exist to advertise and make money for a corporation. That's why they have Red Bull in um, Austria. That's why I mean for those people, they just don't got a know, team in Leipzig, Brazil now too. Yeah, Leipzig used to be like a. I, they I believe they were a third division team five years ago. Red, the Red Bull Corporation purchases them, you know, starts loading them up with money, builds them straight-of-the-art training facilities and everything. And, like, that's cool. That's really good for the game of soccer. That's good for the game of football. But I don't – like, it's this is not a team with hundreds of years of history, like Sheffield United or something. Like, Timo, if you want to go get your money, man, go get your money. I don't care what happens to Leipzig. Yeah, a lot of people feel that way about Leipzig, especially in Germany as well. Um, and, and we've really seen a lot of this um... – you know, kind of within the last 20 years or so, even some, some like they call it new money now, like Manchester City and PSG is the new money. Chelsea is more of the old money kind of guard where they were splashing all that cash when Abramovich 
uh, headed over there and took over the team. And now they're kind of self-run. You know, they've built their brand up enough. They have enough respect and all that. But yeah, I agree to the extent. I mean, like he's finishing the Bundesliga season. They don't really have like a massive opportunity to win this Champions League. Um, and that's why I really love Atalanta at 2100 over them at plus 1200. Um yeah, I don't know. I mean, go ahead, Timo. Do do what you want. Like, there's no obligation to it. Leipzig is what, like, ten years old, maybe. I don't know. I think I think the New York Red Bulls have been around longer than RB Leipzig has. Literally, and- literally, though, they have. That like, they're the franchise history of the New York Red Bulls is uh, well, they used to be called used to be the Metro else. Stars. They the used Metro to be the New York stars, Metro yeah. Stars. Like Tony Miola used to used to play for them back in the day, and then uh, I think they changed up somewhere early around the early 2000s, I believe it was. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back into the free kick. Favorite part of the show, all the weekend matchups that we're going to be getting into. Martino Puccio. Davis Maddock here with you. Davis, this this is the best because Serie A is back this weekend. We have La Liga. We have Premier League having all their games. Bundesliga is just about wrapping up. So the Champions League race is really tight there. So a massive matchup that we're going to look towards first. RB Leipzig versus Dortmund. Dortmund is pretty much in the Champions League. They solidified that they're the second best team in this league. Leipzig, they still have a chance to miss out on the Champions League. I don't think it's that likely that they do, but this is... A must-grab point matchup, not a must-win. If they get a draw, that's good enough, right? Because they could still separate themselves by four points over um, Gladbach and, and, and Leverkusen, depending on what happens to them. But how interested are you in this game? This is like this is like one of the best games that you could have towards the end of the season. There's implications on the line. It's great for DFS. I, I think the over/under totals as well. Like there's. There's great stuff to bet on, like the over under uh, two and a half minus 166 to go over two and a half goals. Under two and a half is plus 136. You probably don't want to lean that way, but the three and a half over three and a half is plus 154, and then the other three and a half plus uh, minus 188. I mean, these are pretty damn good odds, and you don't get them a lot often that you get decent odds like this for two totals. It's usually yeah. just you know two and a half or just the three and a half that you could really look at. Yeah, I mean, I I think the reasons to like the over here are goal differential totally counts for these two teams. They actually have the exact same goal differential. And with Bayer Leverkusen sitting at 60 points, Borussia Mönchengladbach sitting at 59 points, there is actually a scenario where goal differential comes into play for both of these teams over the next two games like I like actually might end up mattering to how much money their club makes like they might like if if Dortmund ties Leipzig in the end but loses on goal differential like the way prize money gets paid out that might be like a 15 million dollar mistake so both of these teams are going to come into this game wanting to score goals so I am uh, I'm with you on both of those yeah so, so sometimes though just to say a lot of the times when a game is like this they might be tight-knit defensively Right, for but sure. For me, yeah. the way that the the way they play, and they know that they got to win. Some is it like Leipzig knows, like if they get a win here, they're safe. Like they are good. If they lose, yeah. you know, they're not in great shape. So for me, that kind of makes it feel like this game's going to be open, and and that's kind of why I'm leaning towards the over in both of those numbers, and even then, result and both to score. So I know I'm I'm obsessed with this with this bet. Yeah, the result. I mean, the result in both the score is a good one, though, because that's like uh, just if you're watching a game, you like feel like that is the normal thing to happen. Like shutouts just are not that common. Like, like think about it. All you have to do is really think to yourself and say, hey, is there a scenario in which I see Dortmund winning this game two to one? You say, yeah, it's definitely yeah. possible. Right. And then you look at the odds for result in both the score. Dortmund's at plus 360. So why not put some money on that? Like, there's a, there's no reason to to stray away from it in the, in that instance. And I know, you know, when you're going in with plus money and all that stuff, like the odds are not in your favor. I mean, hell, even if you think two to two kind of game draws plus three ten, I, I just think that's something to look at, especially when it's always something to look at when you're going with the over, especially at like three and a half, right? 
Like, why not at that point? And if you feel strongly about a winner, yeah, if then that's you go actually for it. you make a great point. I would rather bet result in both to score than an over on three and a half because at three and a half you're saying either like if both don't score and you don't have a lean in the game you're saying one team has the possibility of winning four zero and like such a small percentage of those games at like soccer games ever finish four zero yeah and that's only really like when Bayern plays like Paderborn or something and they just have like that 15 16 minute stretch where they're where Lewandowski and Gnabry and whoever else wants to score scores so so I mean that's that's always possible there so yeah I don't know I'd be I'd be looking at that what about the triple money line I mean here there's value across Leipzig plus 130 draws plus 260 Dortmund plus 195 I mean look I don't know for for me I just like my eyes always light up when I see something like this just because I'm like you you can't really lose like you lose but it's not a bad beat like what's the worst here whatever you put down 10 bucks you lose 10 dollars like that's the most yeah. you're gonna lose in this situation and then the payout could be pretty decent at the end you know, like Dortmund you get 19 dollars and 50 cents because you think they're gonna win it's definitely possible yeah. it's, it's not crazy no I uh I um if I was betting this game I would bet Dortmund but um they've been they've just been disappointing recently like they just have played some really boring games this game against Mainz I yeah they lose 2-0 now that's not the entire story they uh they had the ball way more 70-30 possession 16 to 10 on shots but I mean like they just played boring in this game it was it was it was not you know what we have come to not what we have come to expect from this team. I mean, and, and also very funny thing about this Mines game, they they had seven different players get yellow cards. Like they were they were trying their best. They were putting in the tackles. They were being aggressive, but they just they just couldn't make it happen against Mines. And so I if I was betting a team, I would bet Dortmund, but I'm not I'm not in love with it. I, I think having Holland injured with the muscular injury hurt them. We know we saw him come off the bench and he ends up scoring. So they can get him to start in this game. I'd feel a lot better about it. But to me, with the way the odds are right now, I think the odds makers are kind of not confident that they're going to be putting their best 11 forward because they not, might not be fully healthy. <sighs> Look, I mean, it's, it's a tough one here. I think I'm probably keeping towards the totals and going towards the result and both the score in this. Um, once lineups come out, I'd probably feel a lot more confident in going a different way with a certain game uh, result in terms of money line so so i'll just probably i'm just i know i'm a little reserved but it, it does matter because at the end of the day like this isn't basketball where you keep constantly subbing in guys subbing them off putting them back in and then for stretches you can get what you expect out of some of your players if a player plays poorly like martin odegaard just did in your dfs lineup like that's it like you like he isn't coming back in and you have to deal right. with that so so that's something you always have to take into account oh yeah so anything dfs wise are you are you loading up on a ton of these guys do you uh timo werner uh goodbye gift for leipzig a lot of goals coming from him maybe one or two it might uh i actually think in that game you know it might make more sense to look at um you know rafael guerrero uh, Christopher and Cuckoo, uh, Marcel Sabitzer, you know, some of these peripheral scoring guys, because I think both teams are going to play with loads of energy, you know, try and play with a lot of pace, try and play, you know, really, really forward uh, attacking. And, and maybe the goals are not going to be there as much, but there should be a lot of crosses and a lot of shots in that game. So I would really be looking at uh, at, at uh, old, old Rafa G and uh, Christopher and Cuckoo. Well, there you go. Those are a couple of good guys that you could have to put in your DFS lineup. So we're going to move over to the Premier League. Um, so Liverpool-Everton. It's a derby. It's not a rivalry, right? Like Liverpool's far and away the best club. They're just playing these games out, hoping to win their first Premier League title. Um, so it, it's interesting. Like Liverpool isn't a heavy favorite in this, minus 170. Everton really never challenges them that much. They've been in flux this whole season. They have Ancelotti as, as their manager now. I think Liverpool just want to kill this off, man. I, I really have a hard time seeing them lose this game. And I know Everton might come out aggressive, wanting to you know put their best foot forward to look good under this new audience and their whole light that they're playing under. You know, kind of salvage something that was kind of a lost season. But for me, 
look, this is Liverpool all day. If it's minus 170, the over-under is around, like, over two and a half goals, minus 144. The under is at plus 118 for that. If you do if you do um, the same game parlay and you go with um, Liverpool money line, minus 170, and the over minus 144, you get plus 127 which I kind of feel decent about. I think it's a decent wager that you could place some money on. Um, I don't think you're going to have to really sweat it out that much. I mean, that's just me. That's how confident I am in this game. Um, Look, Liverpool really have nothing to play for. This is it. They just want to finish the title off as fast as possible, and I think they do it here in this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So I think that um, a great way to get your first sweat if you are – not a not a lifelong La Liga fan or anything is to bet some money line parlays this weekend and uh, I actually I actually think there are a couple ways that you can juice it up even with Liverpool at only minus 170 um I really like Sheffield United on the road at Newcastle in there and I really really like Wolves plus 110 against West Ham I think the fact that these teams are on the road is why the odds are like this way but as we know from watching the Bundesliga without the crowds there there really has not been any home field advantage whatsoever at all so I am I am in on these slight road favorites I I agree with you as well and one of the things that I I always tell people um, with the Premier League more than any other league the like nobody is scared of one another in this like anybody believes that they could beat somebody in this league you know like in other leagues you could see some teams just lay down like a Paderborn or something against Bayern they like know they have no shot going into this like not this like we saw Watford blow the doors off Liverpool three nothing Watford's dreadful like I can't stand watching them I it's it's like I know they're not going to be relegated and they didn't get relegated last year but I just wish they were so I just don't have to see it um Sheffield United is a little bit of an interesting one because they do have some issues scoring goals are you like where you just you just think it'll be like kind of a one nothing win um over Newcastle well, I think Newcastle is terrible I think Newcastle <laughs> I think they fair. suck out loud I don't think they have I don't think they do anything right I think that um you know maybe maybe they have some younger attacking players who have some moves but they have a hard time holding the ball, their center backs make mistakes all the time. And I love Sheffield United. I love the way that they have. Um, I, I love the way that they distribute the ball with Fleck and Lundstrom into the box. I think those dudes basically like are, the, the, the way their offense works is they kind of set up free kick routines in open play. They get those guys in space out there and then they uh, they run the plays um, inside there. So I, I really... Uh, I really, I really like Sheffield United, and I, I think, um, I think they win this game. Yeah, good. No, and I hope so too. And I hope that if there's like a controversial goal, I hope it goes their way because they absolutely got like I can't, I still can't get over how bad of a call that was. Like it's, it's absurd. I like I, you have to get that right. Like there's so much on the line there um, in that situation. So hopefully for them, they could do that. Any other games that we kind of wanted to check and look at? I think Real Madrid and Sociedad. Might be the headliner game in terms of like big names in a matchup uh, to look at. Um, so for me, that's kind of somewhere I'll be looking towards. Minus 120 for Real Madrid. Again, it's road game. Still, when you see when you see a team like that, eh, I don't know. For, for me, I just always like, all right, I feel comfortable with that. Especially if you want to, would you add that to your parlay that you were just discussing? Yeah, and I mean, because you know what what you want to do, what you want to do here is you you want to have the sweat, and to have the sweat, you want to have just the the most. So if you if you can convince me to add something, man, I'm in because I just want to sweat it out this weekend. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. You want to feel alive again as as much as possible. But Davis, I am so happy that all these leagues are back. There's Serie A games as well, so be on the lookout for those and see if there's some great lines that you guys can get out there. Um, good luck on your DFS lineups, Davis. Hopefully you bring home some money there. Other than that, everybody, thank you so much for watching and enjoy the games today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.